All right, so here's my actual plan. Here's my actual plan. Um, here, here, you do the thing. Welcome to Products of Grace, a podcast by Merchie. <laughs> nah, I love Percy. Percy, Percy Chill. Church. Mostly chill. Welcome to Products of Grace. We're going to try again today for the second time, a podcast by Mercy Hill Church. My name is Blake McCullough, and with me today, I have Lawson Harlow and Dr. Annex Selrack. So, Pastor Lawson, mm-hmm. what are we going to do today? We. So today. Oh. Uh, um, we. So today. <laughs> We're going to... We will discuss. We will, uh, so today, we will discuss... <laughs> the title of today's about. episode is Warming uh, Yourself by the Fire. Mm, mm. Warming Yourself by the Fire. Because it's fall? Nope. No. I just went camping and I, I mean, smell maybe, like a fire still. Maybe it is because, of, because it's fall. Um, so I have been around two fires recently. One was at a birthday party. I'm pretty sure Beth's hair still smells like smoke Bruh. from that birthday, from that birthday, birthday so, party. Yeah. So this is... Bro, the whole property still smells like smoke. It's <laughs> wild. So it's like, last please night... Please just rain. Last night at one o'clock. Is one o'clock. This, I'm is this in one bed. o'clock a.m.? Uh, yeah, yeah. You were yeah. already in bed? In bed. Uh, we did have an early morning today. Laying in bed, <laughs> one o'clock, and I'm like, what's that smell? I don't know. And I'm like, do I smell smoke? Mm-mm. Okay, so I, if, you know, I smell smoke. My immediate reaction is right. Get up. Make sure my kids are good. Yeah. So get up, make sure my kids are good. And I'm like, I'm trying to decide at this point if I'm having like a uh, a, a nasal hallucination. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, am I actually smelling what I'm smelling? It's a, called a hallucination. <laughs> sure, let's go with that. And so I keep smelling it. And I'm like, I don't know what's happening. And I and so I, I, I took a bet. And I was like, I'm going to wake Beth up. I'm going to wake her up because I need to know if I'm crazy. So I wake her up and I said, do you not smell that? And she's like, what, what? And instantly she thinks she's trying to smell like gas, like uh, natural gas. Yeah. And, and, I, and she says, it smells like fire in here. I'm like, I know. <laughs> so I search through the house, go in the attic, nothing. I'm like, I've got to know what's happening. So I get in the car because it's outside my house. Like I open the front door. I'm like, wow, it's so, like it just smells like smoke. It smells like smoke in my backyard. It smells like smoke in my front yard. So I get in the car and I drive to the end of the street. It smells like smoke at the end of my street. I'm like, one of my neighbor's houses is on fire. So I literally drive around my neighborhood for 10 minutes looking for a burning house. Can't find it. Get back in bed. It's like, how do I sleep now? How do I sleep? So I open my windows because I'm afraid I'm going to die of carbon monoxide poisoning. <laughs> I'm not it saying, smells more like smoke now. It, but it smells like, it smells just like, it still smells like smoke in my house. Like, like, like I had just gotten back from a bonfire. Like yeah. that bad. And so um, the whole night goes by. I actually text <coughs> one of my neighbors at one one oh nine. I said, hey, bro, do you smell smoke? Two o'clock, he texts me back. Good friend or good neighbor. And um, anyway, so there was nothing. There was nothing. My house just smelled like smoke. I bet someone was just having a, their first fire of the season Bruh. in their fireplace. <clears throat> it was awful. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, so where there's smoke, there's fire. That's the idiom for the day. Mm. Or not. Or not. In your case. Literally couldn't find it. <laughs> I actually am still like, but, but here's the deal. This morning when I got up to come here, the lakes near my house were filled with ash. Hmm? There was like there was ash on top of the water by the spillway, so something was burning somewhere. 
Somebody had a bonfire you think going. Fields? I think fields. I think they were burning fields. Or maybe mm. in like... Uh, but the, it's 1 a.m. Yeah, but maybe like it was just in the wind. Yeah. Well, it was. It was in the wind. So... Because it was kind of windy, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was. All yeah. right, so here's, here's, my, here's the, the topic. This is probably going to be an abbreviated episode, but I think it'll be a helpful one. So in your life, I'm asking, mm. have you gone through periods... <laughs> of coldness yep. in your walk with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, this is this is a transparency episode. Uh, you just signed up for it. Charles is like, I just came in here to sit. Um, <laughs> but but so transparency wise, Charles like going silent. All right, so here here are my here are my two questions. So number one, <laughs> tell me about within reason, right? Using discretion and modesty. Um, times of like, okay, I feel uniquely cold mm. and then what pulled you out oh this is uh can i do my most recent one yeah absolutely how, so just out of curiosity how recent is it uh this is probably two years ago a little over a year okay. and a half okay, ago cool. or maybe even less than that so um we've been through this but like in 2022 i guess in spring of 2022 um, me and all my coworkers got fired from our jobs. Oh yeah, and um, I was in a, just a, not a nice situation working, and so I was like looking for jobs and had one that looked like it was going to be awesome. It was looking like it was going to pan out. I was really uh, excited about yeah. it, and it didn't happen. Um, for various reasons, and ended up like. I was angry and I was scared of the future and in a lot of that had just become because of that thing not working out. I think I had started thinking about the rest of my life and being just and choosing only to see the things that were frustrating mm. because I think if, especially in, in, I would, in my pastoral life, I've, my, I have a temptation, right, to only see the fires, not in the sense of the fire we're talking about, but only to see the difficult things and to not see the good things. And so that kind of pushed me in that dire- that general direction. And I remember just being, in a lot of ways, I mean, I, I was guilty of prayerlessness about those situations. I was guilty of you know, like letting that be the thing that I kind of thought about the most rather than filling my mind with the truth. And uh, me and you were at the hub, Lawson. You remember this? I do remember this, actually. And I was just like in a, I was in a funk, honestly. And I was just like, you know what? Like all of this, like I just felt kind of gripey, you know, I was just complaining and which is a sinful thing to do. And uh, you were like, have you read the Bible lately <laughs> or something <laughs> like that? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, but like not near as much as I was or had been before. And I would, you know, I'd kind of gotten out of some, some good habits and just in my frustration and in my busyness was not, not enjoying my time in the word like I had. And I was like, shoot, maybe that would be a good thing to do. <laughs> Um, and it was, and, you know, I think along with that, there was kind of a reminder of the place 
that the people of God has in that, in the sense that we read the Bible in community. And so being able to talk about that with some people and like some changes and in my schedule going into the summer that helped me to, you know, have more opportunity to talk to others about what the Lord's doing in their life and to be reminded that, you know, he was sovereign over my situations. And, uh, and so it was kind of a mixture of, I guess not a mixture, but, but seeing, being reminded of the truth of God in the community that God has given us Mm. was what pulled me out. Mm. Yeah. I think that, uh, I mean, there's definitely been, been times over my life that I've definitely been more spiritually cold. Um, I would say that in general, there, there's kind of two sides of it. I don't know if I would define one as spiritual coldness, but um, there's times when you are really, like I've been really busy and um, I'm kind of just trying to get everything done in my own strength from like, you know, on my own business. And so we're just got jobs going on and all of these things and uh, and realize that, I'm not setting aside the time and the the uh, the mental space that is deserved to be, you know, putting into reading scripture and prayer and those things. And I'll be really honest, like, um, like I know prayer is one of those really important things that I've always struggled with because of the my mind is constantly moving. So it's like uh, every time I sit down to pray in about 30 seconds, I'm no longer praying. I'm thinking about something else. And so it's, it's like it's a, it's a real struggle. So um, but then the other side of it is like I would say this year, um, and I've, you know, I've talked to y'all, y'all about this and has been really difficult um, from especially like a, a business perspective and the Lord teaching me to trust in him. Mm-hmm. And so I've had a ton of anxiety this year and <clears throat> where I can look at <coughs> the truths of scripture and, um, and, and am feeling super anxious and not knowing what the future is going to hold and looking back at my life and knowing the Lord's provision but yet that not like comforting my heart mm. in that moment or reading or just feeling fearful and reading Psalms that talk about the goodness and provision of God. And it's just like bouncing off your head. Um, and so I've had some really tough times this year and I am really thankful by the grace of God. I don't know that it's been um, – so much something that I have like a specific thing that I have done that has like snapped me out of it yeah. in a sense. But um, I think that one really important thing was not, not being secretive that I was dealing with mm. that. And I've talked to both of you brothers and a lot of other brothers here in the church as well. Um, and my wife and a lot of people have just been really open about that. And so having those discussions um, has been really helpful and also just like cutting a lot of things out of my life in the sense of like, I just quit listening to the news because it just gets you <laughs> spooled up and it just doesn't matter, you know, yeah. and, and I've, um, you know, 
tried to like if I'm listening to music, I'm trying to listen to music that's encouraging and pointing me to Christ and not mm. listen. And it's not like, you know, I like country music, but it wasn't helping my anxiety yeah. <laughs> to listen yeah, to yeah, country yeah. music <laughs> and and then trying to be intentional about the time that I was spending in scripture. And so like, and and even things such as like, you know, I thought that I was, some of these things were health related and had all of that stuff checked yeah. out. And so- um, so I don't know, I don't know if there was like a specific thing, like one specific conversation, but I would say that the Lord has given me grace to, to bring me out of where I was, but yet I know that I have still been in a place in my past where I would, that I've been much more focused on the word joyful in scripture and in fellowship yeah. than probably I am even right now. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So compiling difficulties, compiling means of coming out of them, Mm -hmm. right? So one of the things I've noticed about my own life is when I go through seasons of uh, either maybe maybe coldness, like he said, isn't the best term, but like not as near as I believe I once was. Is that fair to say it that way? Mm -hmm. Um, What I have found on the other side of those is a greater nearness than where I was previously. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right, so it's like there's there's this motion that I think that the Lord takes us through, which is like a drawing near and you know rejoicing in the truth, enjoying the the joy of of of, of God's salvation, and then there's the motion of like perhaps it's the busyness of life, perhaps it's sin, perhaps it's um, I mean it, it could be a plethora of reasons, right? But normally it's I would say most normally. It's some sin that's laying hold. Not always, not always. It's busyness. Like I understand there's lots of weights being added, but what I've always found is that the Lord kind of takes those moments and, and, and in them sanctifies us. And even in the midst of distance, it's like, okay, well, I'm going to teach you about the joy of my presence and even learning these things sometimes in a farness. If that makes sense? Like distance makes the heart grow fonder. I'm not applying that to, to all biblical matters, but I'm just saying like, there's things we learn in absence that I think we have difficulty learning while we're enjoying the full light of Christ's presence, right? Um, and so, what I wanted to what I wanted to talk to talk about is this very phenomena because I think it's normal in the Christian life, and I think some people think it's not normative. Normative. Oh. So, like, I think it's e- it's easy for me to look at people that are heroes in the faith, right? It's easy for me to look at Charles Spurgeon, John Gill, Richard Sibb, Stephen Charnock, and think those men never once felt any difficulty or distance from the Lord. They always bled Bible. They were always constant in prayer that they, you know, and all these things. And it's just not true. It's just not true. Like the reason that, like I think about, um, I think about like Charles, uh, no, sorry, not Charles, uh, Richard Sibbs um, sermon, um, goodness gracious, Christ is best. Like the way he can articulate those positions is because he knows that that Christ is best because he's experienced the absence of that to some mm-hmm. degree. Mm-hmm. And so like the normal conversations I have in, in a pastoral week, pro- at least two of them are going to be, I just don't feel as near to the Lord as I once did. Mm-hmm. Like, is that, is that a fair experience for you too, Blake? Yeah. Yeah. I'd say so. Yeah. And so like in those, in those experiences, my, I have, I have like, knee-jerk reactions because I, I, I want to, you know, number one, there's there's two ways to think about like, oh, I'm in the midst of like a a, a, a season of 
not feeling the Lord's presence as I used to, or not being as confident in the salvation that God's provided, or whatever it may be, the, the distance is kind of my, my first thought, or, or again, coldness. But so what would be, like I'm thinking through what methods would you use to like, I've got, like, I don't want to stay here. I always think of them in terms of questions. So the first I'll like think of first is, is there a sin to be repented of? Yeah, fair. Second, is there, is there a lack of forgiveness that needs to be forgiven? Mm. So mm. has someone wronged me and I haven't forgiven them? Third, uh, is there a habit that I was once committed to that I no longer am committed to mm-hmm. a good habit, a godly yeah. habit, yeah, a, yeah. a spiritual discipline. Uh, and then fourth, which there's aren't necessarily in any order, but the fourth is, and this is connected to the godly habit, but is, are there relationships in the church that I have had and that I have fostered that I am not fostering right mm. now, which I think is a spiritual discipline, but at the same time, and they're all connected, right? I could not be fostering those relationships because I haven't forgiven someone yeah. who's wronged me or because I've sinned against someone. Um, but I, I think of those four things when I'm in kind of that place is like, is there a sin I need to repent of? Is there forgiveness I need to grant? Is there a spiritual discipline that I need to get back in the habit of? And then is there, is there a, or is there like a barrier between relationships that I've had in the past in the church? Mm-hmm. Because I think in my most dry times, it it has been times that I have not been reminded of of who the church is for me, mm-hmm. you know, in the sense that as a member of the body, the rest of the body belongs to me and I belong to them. And because I, to me, like it's hard to stay in a funk when I like look around on Sunday morning and am singing with, 150 people who are in this life with me mm-hmm. singing to the God of the universe. Uh, and you know, it's hard to me. Like it, it is, that feels kind of touchy feely, but it really is hard to, to stay in that. Like if at that point, like if I'm, if I'm witnessing that and I am still in the funk, it's like a chosen thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like I'm deciding not to believe the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are all good questions, right? Um, because, because all of them, and what's interesting about all of these is they're they're pretty general. The the one thing that, that I might add to that is those questions that you're asking, like the level of urgency that has to be surrounding them. Mm -hmm. This is what, this is what I think was what gets people. You feel a distance and you say, ah, I feel distant from the Lord. And you're like, "Mm, well, that's tough. And you don't sense an urgency about it at all. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, well, I feel a distance and it's perfectly fine. Like people go through ebbs and flows. I can't think of how many times someone's like, they're sitting in front of me and they're telling me, ah, oh, you know, like I just feel distant from the Lord. I understand that the Christian life is an ebb and flow. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, I hear you in that, but why is ebb, is ebb the bad? Yes. Okay. It's like, why would you want to stay in the Slowing. ebb? Like, why would you want to stay in the ebb? Yeah. And so like, it's always interesting to me that there are, there are relationships that they'll go you know, they'll go to the ends of the earth to protect, but it's in the midst of an ebb, if you will, in the Christian life, they're like, oh, well, I guess I'll deal with this later. Like I'll, I'll have some time in prayer where I can actually work through this, or perhaps it is I'll, um, I'll have some good conversation. Or, and I think those conversations are good and important, but it's like, or, or I've got sin that I need to repent of. And 
in all of these, there's just a lack of a sense of urgency. Like I, I've had conversations with people in the midst of that, like, yeah, I just feel spiritually cold and there's no urgency about them. And that's mm-hmm. so strange to me. Like they're just waiting on things to warm back up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm actually curious if that's like an over um, or an under emphasis on the fact that the continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling and perhaps an overemphasis, if it can be overemphasized or an over dependence upon, but it's God who works and wills within you, within you for his good pleasure. Mm. It's like we hold Philippians in tandem. Like we understand that the command is continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, draw near to God and he will draw near. Like all of these mm. things are true. And so it's always really strange to me when I hear that language and it's like, I don't have a sense of urgency about this. And in the midst of that, it's like, no, no, no. Like there's ever been a sense of urgency in your life. It's right now. Mm-hmm. Because the idea is that you're going to let this, you're going to let this sit for a day. And you just don't let things like that sit for a day. It's like your, your soul is in danger. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and it's not to say that like Christ is letting go of you or anything of that nature, but it is to say like, if you're, if you're made immediately aware of a distance from the Lord it's really strange to me that you say, well, I feel a distance from the Lord and I guess I'll just let it sit. Mm. Um, as opposed to instantly warring against whatever is causing the divide. And I think Blake's right. Like you've got a lack of spiritual dis- discipline, a lack of Christian fellowship. I would add one into that, Blake, which is um, an avoidance of authority. <coughs> yeah, I put that into fellowship, I think. That's fair. That's fair. Um, so avoidance of authority, refusal to repent or, uh, refusal to forgive, like all of those are just really helpful categories. Um, but to me like that, that urgency is something that, that marks, I think the, the faithful Christian that says, I'm not going to let myself sit here. I think we all do it, right? Like, I'm not saying that, that I have done that, but I most certainly have not done that perfectly. Um, but when that time comes, it's like, no, 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 no. Like I'm not willing to permit this. Like I'm, I'm going to go run after fellowship with God and, and even echoing passages like, uh, Psalm 50, Psalm 50 or Psalm 51, where David says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. 51. 51. I don't know why I always want to make that 50. But so it's like this pursuit of, of, of immediate, like I, the moment I become aware, conscious of a distance, there needs to be a point of saying, I'm going to go and get this. I would say that's something that I have been super thankful for in my, I would say, fight with anxiety over this year and and in the past, um, that the Lord has driven me to him mm-hmm. instead of away. Because there's two different things you can happen. You can yeah. despair and go away from the Lord into depression or I'm thankful that he gave me the grace to fight. And it is like a huge yeah. fight. Like I would, you know, mostly struggle with it in the morning and would wake up and just say, okay, like pull out the weapons. We're, we're listening to good music. As yeah. soon as I wake up, it's going to yeah. point me towards Christ. I'm going for a walk to clear my head. I'm going to pray the whole way. I'm going to, we're going to quote as much scripture, yeah. you know, and like pull those weapons out and fight yeah. and talk to other brothers and, you know, all of those things. I mm-hmm. think that's, you're really, really right there because being lackadaisical about it kind of uh, can just, it'll just make it worse. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to give, I want to give three, what I think are three occasions. Like I think Blake laid these out too, but the three occasions where I'm normally sitting in front of someone and they're like, I'm going through like a, a distance from the Lord. So occasion number one is sin that needs to be repented of. 
season number two is maybe an odd one, but I think and y'all can y'all can shoot this one if you want to, but I'm I'm largely convinced of it is a major transition in life, meaning from singleness or let's let's, let's say adolescence to adulthood. So like like teenager to I'm twenty three in the workplace, whatever it may be, or um, single to married, uh, si- uh, married without children, married with children, empty nesters. Like I have seen such a unique, um, like normally when those transition periods happen, it's a break of what has become their normative routine. And it, and I think it messes with people. And I think, go ahead. I mean, I, even personally, I would say like, even in a smaller transition, I felt temptation toward this in like when we sold our house, like not having the place we call home to mm. go to. Yeah. Like I had to fight extra hard to be joyful mm-hmm. and like even Sarah rebuked me, uh, like which she's very good. There's at. nothing better than a savage wife. Um, <laughs> and she was like, I said something and she was like, I mean, you have been a little scary lately. <laughs> and I was like, okay, oh, you're right. All right. <laughs> uh, you know, and like that kind of, you know, there, the stress of that, of that change, you know, in that stress, I had temptation to be unkind or be, you know, yeah. because of, of the weight that I felt like I was holding. Um, and so even like I, I hear the bigger the bigger transitions, but I think even in smaller transitions, because with those come a lot of temptations. Like there's temptation to fear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. In the sense that I don't know what it's like to be married. And so what if it's terrible? Yeah. Right. Or I don't know if I'm able to raise this child. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> what if I'm terrible? Yeah. You know, and like all of those transitions come with temptation to fear. They come with temptation to pine for i think they come with temptation to pine for what was what was before yeah um in some one ways one could say covet yeah to covet yeah um and then yeah, coveting knows no boundaries it like knows no boundaries. covet all kinds of things uh but then there's also like a temptation to almost to pride yeah like that i've made it i've made it to Ooh, this thing that's a good one yeah 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 and so you know, like I got the kids out of the house, so like it's smooth sailing now. Or, you know, I finally I got married, and so everything I've ever wanted, I have. You know that kind oh, of I'm, like. You know, honestly, I'm thinking about the guy who says, "I'm married now. I'm an adult. Don't tell me what to do." Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I don't need to be taught anything. I've arrived. That's I think, but I think that's kind of a mixture of like I've moved into a new phase, and now that I've moved into a new phase, I become kind of puffy. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I, I mean, I, I think, I mean, I've, I've seen that a number of times. Um. But so, okay, so uh, sin that needs to be repented of, uh, uh, transitioning phases of life. And I think, I think you included a good one where it's just like just general transitions in general. General transitions in general, he says. Um, but the <laughs> last one is, this is a weird one, but I think, this is, I think this is super real, is moving on from immaturity to maturity. Hmm. Okay, so let me, let me lay that one out because I think this is, I think, I see this one is so real and I felt it in my own soul. Um, so when I went from, do y'all remember like when you came, when you, when you really came to, when, like when, when you were converted, like I remember when I was converted, I was 15 years old. Every time I turned the Bible, I had new information. Yeah. Like I'm reading, like I remember reading through Romans 11 for the first time. 
I remember carrying my Bible <sighs> to my stepdad and being like, hey, does, like, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm asking bad questions, right? Like, I'm like, I don't understand. I don't know. I'm just asking questions. It's like, Romans 11, does this mean I can lose my salvation? Like, I remember mm-hmm. asking those questions. And every time I turned the page of the Bible, I got new information, new material. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, man, I, like I'm, I'm getting all of this new and I'm learning so much. And then when you reach past that basic level of, okay, I'm, I have a biblical literacy. You've laid the first foundation. And then you come to the book of Galatians for the 17th time. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I'm in the Galatians again. And, you, and you're reading, like, let's say you're reading Galatians 2.20. And you're like, I've read this verse thousand times I've had it memorized and it's almost like you skip over it mm-hmm. because you really it's like it's like I, I guess I'm done mining this mm. and I think one of the really strange points of a callousness or a coldness that can enter into the heart of a Christian is when you've reached a point where you're like you're reading through a book this is this is something I think probably everyone does and, and if it's just me then I'm just a wretch um, <laughs> which is true but like I'm reading through a book and they give me a paragraph <laughs> of like they quote a psalm that I'm like, I know exactly what that says, and I jump it. Oh, yeah, same. Mm. Yeah, it's like, it's like whoa. Mm. So and I, mean, I always feel guilty, yeah, because, but I keep doing it. Yeah, yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> so, but I mean, you know, it's, but I mean, I think there's kind of two ways to look at that. Like, number one, it's like, I, I'm skipping this because I know it. Yeah. But then the other one is like, well, is it going to pain me to read the Word of right, Life one more time? Its yeah, it's like, I, I haven't finished this. Like, I haven't arrived on anything. Yeah. And so... It's a special kind of arrogance. Okay, so... like, oh, I've heard it before. It, it really is. And so, like, the three. So, here, here are my big three. So, sin. <laughs> sin that needs to be repented of. Um, I would add inside that category, like, forgiveness. The necessity of forgiveness as a part of Christian growth. Like, if you are unforgiving in nature, I would actually not expect for you to have a deeply flourishing walk with the Lord. Of course. Um, unrepentance of sin. Number two... Um, major transitions in life, like these are when I see these conversations take place regularly. And then the last one is going on from immaturity to maturity or, or just like reaching a new stage of the Christian life. One of the ways that I think about this is going from the younger woman in Titus 2 to the older woman in Titus 2, going from mm-hmm. the old, younger man in Titus to the older man. And so like, I think that's are weird waters to walk through. And when you transition from I'm the younger man to the older man, it can just feel very strange and you don't know where your place is inside the body. And instead Fair. of taking on the responsibility, you neglect the responsibility. And as you neglect the responsibility, you're like, well, what am I supposed to be doing now? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So let's start with sin. You got something to say? No, I'm just thinking. Okay. Um, so let's start with sin. Like, all right. What's our response? Like, so if we feel distance from the Lord in regard to sin, what do we do? Probably repent. Probably <laughs> repent, he says. <laughs> uh, my brothers and my friends. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, honestly, though, like, yeah. We know what to do. Have you ever, have you ever held on to, like, you're like, I'm like, I'll tell you, I'll say it this way. You know the hardest things for me to repent of? What? It's not like it's so weird. It's not, it's not the hardest things for me to repent of is when I open my mouth and I shouldn't have mm. like the, the, the number one places where I'm like, I'm, and I can, I can give a, a thought of this the other day, like, um, something happened at the house. Beth told Rowan something. I didn't know what Beth told Rowan and I acted differently than what Beth told Rowan. And that just drives me nuts. It's like, I want to be consistent. You know, it's kind of like, so I walk out and I just, and I said something to Beth and I said it just way, way too, like my tone was just wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, and I, and I walk back inside and I'm like, oh, 
I need to go, I need to go repent and to make that right with her. But what's so crazy is in my, like in my chest, it's like, no, you don't. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> am let, I, it, let it ride. <laughs> am I, but like for real, like, is that just me? No. I mean, I think we all have different things that we hate to repent of. And so like, but this, so this is what gets me. Like when we're dealing with, when we're dealing with distance from, from, <coughs> um, based upon sin, I think it's often our reaction to reach a point where we're like, fine, I'll just do it. As opposed to a recognition I've sinned and then like instantly, mm-hmm. like the moment that there's conviction of it, like do something about it. I mean, we tell our kids that delayed obedience is disobedience, yep. and yet mm. we still live that way. And I am convinced, um, I was thinking about that book, um, what's the book, uh, golly, the book, it's got the pretty t- the pretty jacket, it's by an Ortland. Gentle and Lowly. Gentle and Lowly. Uh, I think that for a long, long time in my life, I thought about when I was in sin, I looked at God as angry with me mm. because of my sin. And I think there was a helpful category in that book, which wasn't original to him. It was the Puritan who that chapter was on. Yeah. What was talking about how it's really, you know, we, we and God both hate the same thing, mm. you know, and it's just actually reminding ourselves that like, because he loves us, he hates our sin. Yeah. And we, both of us hate the same thing. And it's like, rather than saying like, I got to repent because I don't want God to be angry with me. It's like, this is, this thing is that I'm not repenting of is really hurting my flourishing in Christ. Um, Like, why would I not repent of that? And it's Mm -hmm. not even begrudging. It's like, he loves me. I should repent of that. Yeah. I think maybe, excuse me. um, One of the difficult things to repent of is maybe sins that are within our own mind. Mm. Um, because if you're, a, <clears throat> sorry, if you are repenting of doing something that's external, you can physically have the willpower to stop doing that thing and like mm-hmm. turn away from it. But, um, you can say I repent, but still have thoughts of anger or whatever towards someone. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and so that, seems to me in my mind that's a little bit more difficult because you can just, you know, turn away easily from, you know, not punching someone in the face. <laughs> Good call. <laughs> I'm going to not do that again. <laughs> and, uh, but, but that anger to turn away from that, like that is a lot harder and, you know, mm-hmm. really takes the grace of God to give us the ability to not have those same thoughts and, mm. and emotions. Yeah. Like, and it almost feels like a broken record sometimes. Like I'm here again, you know, repenting. I've, I sinned again, you know, I was harsh again, or I had that hateful thought again, you know? Mm. Um, and so I think at, at some point it's like, I'm battling this sin. I'm in the thick of it and it feels it feels futile to confess it again. Yeah. The, the thing that I've 
on both of those, like you've kind of hit the internal, right? Which is like, I'm working through something internally. And that's a, that's an interesting category that I think is, is, is helpful and necessary. I, I do want to hit on sins that are committed against people. Um, like, I think that our understanding of mortification of sin, like I'm going to repent and I'm going to put sin to death, is this like simple internal game that it bears no outward action, right? Like there, there's, there's, so like, let's just say, play back my, my illustration in regard to like speaking just way too, way too firmly to Beth. Um, like, so I was like, ah, oh, I could have, I think sometimes we're just like, oh, well, internally in this moment it's like no i repent but there is i do nothing with it like i I, it's not me opening the door going back outside and (coughs) saying hey i i i I spoke way too firmly there i'm Mm -hmm. really sorry please forgive me like i think mortification of sin has actual actions associated with it of course and so like what i but but i think one of the reasons why we're we, we are often bad at mortifying sin is because we think oh this is just an internal game but what takes place internally is going to work itself out in some external fashion. It's like we're this kind of goes back to our you know podcast not too long ago that we're whole men, mm-hmm. like we're not pieces and parts. It's not like I can be like, oh well, I repent of this, all the while never going back to make, make reconciliation because Beth was going to forgive me. Yeah, like Beth's a Christian, she loves me, she loves Jesus, she's going to forgive me. She's probably not even going to bring it up again, and she'll just let love cover multitude of sin and move on. But that doesn't change what's taking place in my own soul, mm-hmm. like. She's loving me really well, but as a but as an aim to mortify sin, it's like I can't just say, "Oh, well, I'll repent of this." It's like, no, get up and 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 do what's commanded. And that mortification of sin it actually does bear outward works. And that isn't to say that like, oh, this is justification by works. It's like, no, 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 this is fruit of the gospel. Fruit of the gospel is I've been converted. I hate sin. And I want to see it put to death. And so that being the case, I'm going to take up the arms, which is normally just a mortification of pride and saying like, look, no, I, I wronged you. Like I sinned against you. And in doing so, I'm, I'm just convinced that when you're looking at Romans 8, when it says put to death the misdeeds of the flesh um, by the spirit, that those actually, that's not just an ethereal category, but it works itself out in life. And I'm convinced that one of the primary reasons why people feel in the midst of sin, where they say, I've repented of this sin. Um, is that they may have repented of it internally, but it has borne no outward fruit. Hmm. It, ha- it, it hasn't grabbed the person that was wronged and said, man, I sinned against you and, and I want to make that right. And so they live kind of with this, like, are they forgiven in Christ? Absolutely they are. But, but the gap there is go to your brother and, 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 and be reconciled to him. And I think part of mortification of sin and part of what draws you back into a uh, maybe a better way to say it is restores to you the joy of the Lord's salvation is is like oh there's a mortification of pride there's a there's a confession of sin there's a trust in Christ and all of those outward actions and that helps me draw back near to Christ in the midst of rebellion and then ultimately repentance and so like just thinking through that like there's so much of sin that's like this is just internal and I think even in regard to private, oftentimes private sin has has um, harms people who are ignorant of it. Mm-hmm. Like I think one of the keynote ones here um, is th- like the sin of pornography, mm-hmm. grievous, wicked, horrendous sin. To say that it harms no one is insanity. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so, like, there's 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 an offended party. 
Mm-hmm. And in the midst of the offended party, first and foremost, right, we, we echo what David says against you and you only have I sinned. But, mm-hmm. but, it, but the offended parties and those who have been um, undermined and uh, sinned against, like I think confession is a part of reconciliation and mortification of sin. Mm-hmm. Like the individual who says, I want to repent, but I don't want anybody to know about it. Mm-hmm. Man, that scares me. Mm. You think that's what James is talking about um, mm-hmm. and confess your sins to one another. And you will be healed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, I absolutely do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I, I can think of moments in my life where I told somebody a sin that I've committed against them, and and just like instantly in the moment, what I was met with was I, mean, I can think of one time where I was not met with grace, um, but nonetheless, it was like, wow, I, I actually am just glad hearted that I was able to confess that sin, ask them for forgiveness. They withheld it from me, but that's not my response. Like I can't do that. That's not mm-hmm. my responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the majority of times, right, I would say all but really one, it's like, no, no, grace is extended. Mm-hmm. The forgiveness of Christ is made all the more known to me while my brother forgives me of the trespass I've committed against him. And it's almost like when we repent of our sin and we draw near and, and ask for forgiveness from a brother who we've wronged or a sister we've wronged, their forgiveness communicates afresh the grace of God to us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, ah, oh, it's not just that Christ has forgiven me. It's that the work of Christ has forgiven me and aids my brother or sister that I've sinned against to forgive me as well. So how necessary would you say that um, confession is to repentance? Like, I mean, I guess we wouldn't say that 100% of the time you have to confess your sin to somebody, but it seems like predominantly, like if there's that that external action of confession, Mm -hmm. even if it's something that I didn't sin against a brother, but it's a sin that I have struggled with, but that I am... Um, repenting of that I'm confessing to someone else and telling them of my repentance of that. Like, is, is that some of that external uh, action that you're talking about? Yeah, so I, you you actually made reference to it. You said, I didn't keep it a secret, mm. right? Like, mm. your your presupposition, and I mean, I, the reason that we're talking about this is because I've had kind of a couple of conversations over the last few weeks about something similar to this, is in the last, like, you're you're making it known is, is an aid to healing. Mm. Like you can sealing, it does nothing. Mm-hmm. Now, well, I, I shouldn't say that. It, it hinders. Mm-hmm. It hurts. Like I mm-hmm. think that's just the safest way to say it. And so there's something about actually making those things known to a trusted brother. Like if it's an internal sin that is um, like, goodness, the, the, the questioning of God or um, idolatry of work or something of that nature, right? Like I think there can there there is it's good and helpful to repent of those things that are certainly and it's an expression of, of of internal sin. But but you can't ever convince me that it is not going to be more helpful for you to grab a brother and say, "Look, this is what I've been struggling with, and I'm in need of help here." Just I mean, like literally, just pray for me. Ask the Lord to help me. Ask mm-hmm. the Lord to strengthen me. Ask me from time to time. Hey, how are you doing in regard to idolatry of work? Um, mm-hmm. or, or, um, being a money grubber or whatever mm-hmm. it may be. Right. And so I think necessary may not be the most appropriate term, but I'll say profitable, mm-hmm. helpful, even, even, um, expedient, like it, 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 uh, accelerating, it accelerates, I would say both the, the, the fruit of repentance and the healing that comes from the other side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And there's something just like if I'm feeling distant from the Lord in regard to my sin, sometimes I just need somebody to look at me and be like, 
hey, you know the sin that's so heavily weighing you down, <clears throat> Jesus died for. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and this is where gospel and counseling is so crucial because, you know, the the, the thing I want to communicate is we're, you know, as we're dealing with sin is if I'm looking at a brother or a sister, it's like, hey, man, I'm so grateful to hear your repentance of sin. Let me offer you just a brief moment of rest. And it's like the sin that you've confessed to me, Jesus paid for on the cross 2,000 years ago. He canceled the record of debt. He's abolished it as far as the east is from the west. He's raised for your justification that when you stand before God on the day of judgment, this charge cannot be brought against you. Hmm. Like just a reminder of that is enough to like launch you into the spiritual stratosphere. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like, I'm so comforted by that. Mm. Um, Because the reality is like guilt is what they're already sitting under. Mm -hmm, Like if they're mm -hmm. coming to you and they're saying, this is where I am, guilt's what they're sitting under. But, you know, to quote Don, guilt's a terrible motivator. Um, And it's a terrible motivator. It's not going to spur you up long. And, um, you know, it's the reason why the gospel produces a deeper, a deeper life. You know, I I was reading um, Stephen Charnock last night and one of his quotes was, um, the law kills the soul and gives life to sin the gospel kills sin and gives life to the soul. Mm. And it's like, so what we're doing in those moments is we're saying, Hey, life to the soul. Mm. Um, and so anyway, mm-hmm. your second category, second category, mm-hmm. transitioning phases. Mm. Uh, I mean, I think base level, you remind yourself that God doesn't change. Ooh. Um, Mm. And then more practically, you remind yourself, like, I think there is much to say about, like, how the Lord gives grace and mercy for different stages mm. um, and how, like, you know, if you're single or you're maybe you're waiting to get married, like, and you think about, like, on down the line, like, there's no way I could be a good parent. It's like... He'll prepare you Mm. and give you the grace for that as you need it. Um, Which I think has always been a helpful reminder to me in those moments is that like, you know, tomorrow has enough worries. Just deal with today. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that um, like I was saying this year has been uh, a lot of change. And one reason it's been tough is a lot of change in our, in our business and just not knowing what the future is going to bring. And I think that something that the Lord has been teaching me is just remaining faithful to what he has given me to do like today. Mm. And, um, pastor John that works for me, uh, <laughs> shout My out, friend. shout out John Lewis, who will never listen to this. Big facts. Um, he, he's um, such a goober. For being so serious all I the know, time. Right? Yeah. Oh, he is totally. Yeah. I know, but he's like, I'm just looking for something a little bit. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't joked that much, so he might be all right. Yeah, he might episode. be okay. Um, so hmm. um, he was talking about uh, the other day, we were having a, a little um, kind of Bible study before work, and he was talking about Paul and his missionary journey and how he's, you know, the the portion in Acts where he splits up with um split up with John Mark, right? Wait, him which one did him and Barnabas split over John and, Mark. Yeah, over John Mark, right. Okay. 
And then he's going to go this one way, and then the Holy Spirit prevents him, and then he's going to go uh, somewhere else, and then he has this dream to call come across to Macedonia. And it's like every one of those steps, um, Paul didn't know that he was going to end up in Macedonia and go to Philippi, and a church was going to be started there. Mm. Like he knew none of that. And I think that... For me, uh, the Lord has been teaching me that we don't know the end of the path that the Mm -hmm. Lord is leading us on, but it says, you know, in Proverbs, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And Mm -hmm. our responsibility is to remain faithful Mm -hmm. to what the Lord has given us. Because if you look at so many of these like great men throughout history and you look at you know the apostles or or whoever who have accomplished great things if you ask them in the middle of their life or before that great thing that they accomplished came to fruition they would have never seen themselves at that place either yeah you know you look at the the great puritans and and uh, you know, like Spurgeon, you know, when he was converted, would have never seen himself as as influential as he was, or anything like yeah. that. And so, um, I think that there's great comfort in knowing that the Lord is sovereign over our lives. He directs our steps. He has a plan which does not change mm-hmm. since before the foundation of the world. He is directing us in that, and we need to just remain faithful to what He's given us today because yeah. we don't know what a day is going to bring forth. Yeah. I think all of that's so helpful, especially I hadn't even thought about as terrible as it is, considering I just preached a sermon on uh, the immutability of God, which is the unchangeable nature. Um, but the like, I think there, I think there are there are unique challenges with each and every phase of life, mm-hmm. and I also think there are unique sins that are tempting in each and every phase of life. So, for instance, in singleness, I think that there's. Um, a predisposition to um, there often is a disposition to discontentedness Um, and it's like no 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 like I need to I need to pay attention to this and be content because godliness with contentment is great gain Mm -hmm. I think in marriage there is a great great sin uh, or a great opportunity to um, put mortification of sin on cruise control Meaning like, oh, well, I'm married now, so there's sense that I'm not going to struggle with anymore. Fun fact, that's wrong. Um, and then there's others that think you get unique brownie points because you're married. It's mm-hmm. like, it's not true. <laughs> like you, there, there's actually a unique weight placed on you. Um, or, or excuse, I think one that comes up is excuse during the era of like, I have seven children running around my house, right? It's like, no, 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 like biblical fidelity, all the more important today because mm-hmm. you have seven little souls that you are to um, you're to care for and to raise in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Empty mm-hmm. nester period is like you go from a period of just insane, rapid fire life to. Do y'all know I have all this time after five o'clock? Like I just get home and then I do what I want. Um, and so, like in the midst, you could even go further. And I think there we have seen even temptation in older yeah. saints, like to feel like. The work that they've done for the kingdom is over, and that they've oh. done they've done the important things, and now they don't have anything left to do. Oof, just mm. tragic. Oh man! So this is let's work backwards then, since you said <laughs> with that one. So like, I can tell you, <coughs> I'll, 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 one man in particular, um, of just the fruit of his life 
in mind. There's there's one guy in our congregation. He's an older gentleman, and I don't know what it is, but every time I am downcast, like not not like spiritually down, just like everything I've done just feels like not much has been fruitful, and I just feel like I got the the mess beat out of me. This dude just like I, I mean I believe the spirit works in people's lives. Fun fact, and shut up. And so like in the midst of that, he he just somehow always knows and he'll call me and be like, Hey man, just wanted to call and encourage. Thank you for your, your labors. And and I just am really grateful for our church. And I'm like, and so to this, this past week he called me and I said, and I said, dude, how did, and I, I, mean, I told him, I said, how do you know? Like, how do you know? He said, I just, I don't know. I just wanted to call you. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, whatever. But, but this is Shout like, and, and what's interesting is the question was like, okay, well, like this is, this is such a unique role that God has given you to fill inside of this congregation. And it's like, and I can actually name other people who have been uniquely benefited by this man in the very same way. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, you think about the fruitfulness of life in that period when there really is another option. The option is, well, I don't want to be fruitful. I'll just be like, oh, I'm, all, it's, I'm done with all this. Like I've done everything I can. The strength of my youth is gone and I don't really have much to contribute. But the reality is the, the 80, 90 year old still has much to contribute to the kingdom even if they're unable to to speak or get out, they can pray. Mm. They can continue to be edified and worship the Lord Jesus Christ in their life. Like these are means of encouraging and bolstering the church. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'll, I'm still convinced that one of the greatest points of encouragement for me is looking at a 90 year old man who's worshiping the Lord. It's like, yeah, like you made it in the faith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, anyway, so I just, I guess that's one point, but, I've had a couple of conversations where someone goes in particular from like the, the younger to the more mature. And I think that's a really interesting phase when you go from, I'm the one being taught. Like I'm the, I'm the, like let's take Titus two, for instance, right? I'm the woman who needs to be taught to respect her husband and to love their children. Right. But there's a point in which it's like, well, I don't know what to do anymore. Like, I don't know, like, what am I supposed to be doing? And it's like, I can tell you your issue. You actually have reached the point where you, you shouldn't be, the the one simply being taught. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm glad you said simply. Oh, yeah, say merely being taught. Yeah. right? like that. I don't think you ever graduate from being taught. Yeah, but you do graduate into teaching another. Yep. yep. And so, like men and and women, as they're reaching that point of like, I am both in the position to uh, to to learn, which is a constant position, right? Yeah. But I'm also in a position where if I'm going to be faithful to the Lord, it's going to require also me pouring into those who are younger than me. Yeah. Hmm. And, and I, I think, think that you good. It's kind of like when a man doesn't have a job and he like feels shriveled up. Yep. And yep. like he's like going to die because he's like, I don't know what to do with my yep. time. Yeah. I think that that translates into the spiritual life is that like, if you've been given all of these things and you've been given like the, just the, the grace that is discipleship and you've been discipled and you know the truth and you've been built up in it and you've been taught how to be a Christian man or woman. And, you know, I do think that there is a, a serious like feeling of being separated when you're not able to give that back. To Absolutely. Someone. Absolutely. Um, I was re- I was just reminded of that uh, 
Michael Hefner told me that y'all are working with some with a guy who is very dear to my heart uh, on a job. Oh yeah, and uh, I was thinking about like how so much of of how like I was sitting there with Michael having a serious conversation, and we were talking about that, and I was thinking about how how much of even my motivation to like give away my life to the young men of this congregation, like how often I think back to that man giving away his life to me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and how like I, th- I probably think about him like every week. Like I think about, I think about what he taught me when I do any number of things mm-hmm. and how he shared his life with me when I share my life with, with those that I've been entrusted that have been entrusted to me. And so it's like, there, there is a going to maturity that part of it is like, is thankfulness for what God has given you in the church. And part of thankfulness, it feels kind of cliche to say like, is paying it forward, but it's, it's not necessarily paying it forward as much as it's just, it's just that you want others to have the gifts that you've been given. You know, mm-hmm. you want them to experience the you know the love of someone older or someone mm-hmm. further down the road and the care that they have for for you so yeah i just think not walking in for lack of better term like the the um the natural rhythms of discipleship mhm it, it's costly to you like it's going it's going to you're going to ask the question like what am i good for yeah 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 and 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 the reality is it's not just some some parts of the church that should be replicating, <coughs> right? It's like, no, no, no. If, I, if I'm an older man, if I've been trained, if the Lord's been gracious and taught me the, the, the truths of the word and have taught me to, to love my wife and to love my children and to raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord, there's something to contribute. And I think one of the greatest ways that we hinder, and I, and I, think, I think we really do hinder like the, our fellowship with the Lord is by withholding from the church. And that can be done in really two ways. I think both of them are actually anchored in pride, though one may seem contrary to it. It's like, well, I can't do it as well as that person. I'm just telling you. It's pride. That's pride. It's just Mm. pride. Like you can't commit. It is literally (laughs) you saying that because I am not as good as the person next to me, I'll do nothing. Mm. It's just Mm. pride. And then the other one is you think you're so great at it that you should uh, that everybody else is subordinate to you. And it's like <laughs> both both of those are like no 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 that that can't be what what's do what's happening here. Instead, part of walking with the Lord is by being an aid to his church. And if you're refusing to be of aid to his church as you move from immaturity to maturity, then then you're really not going like you shouldn't expect to have a flourishing walk with the Lord because I think you're frankly, walking in disobedience to his church. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... So practically, what does that look like? Is the the older man seeking to help mature a younger man in the faith? Is uh, Who is seeking who out in that scenario? Both. Yeah, it's a go get them. So like, uh, this is, what is it? Uh, Don has a quote about, uh, about uh, like working. And it's like, and he was talking to his boss and he was like, I'm hungry. Like he wakes up hungry, right? And um, and so I think I think that there is a mentality there that's like, 
I want to be of aid. The reality is that most men are not going to walk up to you and be like, hey, man, I want you to teach me and to disciple me. And I want us to meet three times a week. And I want us to go through this book together. And let's talk about things. And let's memorize the Bible. And, and if pray. they do say yeah. that, they just got back from like a conference or That's something. That's real life. <laughs> and they don't <laughs> really want to do that. Yeah. It's like, it's like they're going to do that. They're probably going to do that three for times. Three times. Yeah. I'll have deer in my headlights. Right. Exactly. Like, uh, don't know if I got time for exactly. that. Because most men don't have time mm. for, for that. <laughs> but but what they do have time for, what they do have time for is for you to participate to participate like talk to them on the regular like a phone call mm-hmm. by the way believe it or not uh technology is net neutral and it can be used for the things of god yeah like mm-hmm. I, I, my phone greatest ministry tool i own yeah yeah aside from my bible right but but in the midst of that it's like i'm able to pick up the phone i'm able to counsel and i'm able to do so like in ways that pastors before me have never been able to do true mm-hmm. and so the same thing goes for um dear saints who are members of this body perhaps it is that you can't get together um, three times a week and, and who can, but if you can find time once every two weeks or once a month to actually invest and to be an available party for another member of the congregation, like literally just availability for someone to say, Hey, I've got to ask you about this. Like I need some help in this area. Opening those doors is really what I mean when I say investing in the life of an individual, it may look like a weekly meeting. It may not. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'll say this, you know, like if you're listening to this, you know, if you've made yourself an available party to both being discipled and being a disciple. Mm. Yeah, I, I've said this before on this program, but the best of, some of the best advice I ever got when I started in ministry was never do anything alone. Yep. Mm. And I think that you can apply that to your own regular life. Like if you, if you regularly go for walks or if you regularly work out, if you regularly eat lunch, you know, like all of those things are opportunities for you to not do that alone and, and, and either reach out to an older or a younger saint and, um, offer help or ask for help. Um, you know, I think that those things, there's so much about it. That's like, well, we need to schedule a meeting. Normally when you schedule a meeting, it gets broken up a couple times by something and then it never happens again. Yep. But if you, organically say like, here's something that I do and you do, we both do it. Like, can we do that together and, and redeem that time? Um, I've found that those things are very helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's just a couple of, of areas. And I think hopefully that's helpful to you. Like, I'm just saying like, when I sit down and counsel with somebody who's telling me like, Hey, I just feel distant from the Lord. Almost without exception, I'm looking at one of those three categories. And um, I'm at, I, the one that shocked me, and I was probably two years into ministry at this point, because it takes about two years for someone to go from one phase of life to another, or from from really in, in, in a maturing to a maturity. And I'll, I'll never forget having this conversation and being like, oh, I know what's wrong. Like, you have gifts and abilities that you need to be exercising, and you still think that you don't have permission to do that. Mm-hmm. And you have to be doing it. And it was interesting to watch, like, oh, there's now there's like, oh, I feel I'm, I'm, I'm doing what the Lord's called me to do. And there's such life there. And so to, to summarize and maybe bring it to an end, unless uh, y'all have something else to add. Um, if you feel a distance from the Lord, it's not the time to be like, well, I guess I may deal with this later. <laughs> not the time for that. Like I think about this like cancer diagnosis. Mm-hmm. If I find out on Tuesday that I've been diagnosed with cancer, I am, I am looking to start chemo on Thursday. Hmm. It's like there is a zeal and an urgency behind, like if I'm feeling distant, 
I'm not interested in letting the distance gap more and more and more. Mm. Like if I feel an inch, I'm not waiting for a canyon. Mm. And I think I even said this a while back about keep yourself in the Holy Spirit is, is don't guard the miles, guard the inches because mm-hmm. the inches quickly turn into miles. Mm-hmm. And so like, if I'm looking at the inch and I'm, and I feel a distance, it's like, now is the time to get on your face before the Lord search and plead with him to show you what really is the barrier. If it's sin, be quick to repent and put that into actual motion. If it means going to your brother, go to your brother. If it's a, if it's a transition in life and you're trying to figure out how your faith fits into this new phase then by all means, plead with the Lord, search the scriptures, go to your elders, go to men or women in the faith that you can uh, talk with, that can encourage you and walk with you in it. And then lastly, if it's going from if it's going from an, an, an immaturity or a maturing to, to maybe even a deeper maturity, or perhaps it is you've read the Bible 10 times and you're thinking, well, what more is there for me as I'm reading through Galatians or Ephesians or 1 Corinthians or Samuel or something of that nature? And it's like, have someone remind you of the... Um, of the endless depths that is the word of God, go in and, and, and labor in a particular text as opposed to majorly consuming, spend time minorly working through a smaller portion. And, um, you know, it's like we believe that the Bible is, is all sufficient for, um, for, for uh, life and godliness. And not only that, we believe it attests to the beauty of Christ. And so it shouldn't be a dry exercise. And so I think in the midst of all these things, like if there's a distance... I think it's good to diagnose the reasons why, but then the reality is drawing near is rather simple. It's go to the word, go to the Lord in prayer, uh, be a, a, a vital member of the local church and trust those who are healthier in the faith that are just maybe one or two steps ahead of you, or even peers that can look at you and be like, or like, yeah, I see that you're struggling. How can I pray for you? And, and mm-hmm. trust that the local <clears throat> congregation will be a place in which you can be warmed. Mm-hmm. All right, I got a Bible verse. Mm. They're all looking at me now. I found a Bible verse too. Oh, do yours. <laughs> what was yours? No, I'm not telling you. I found one too. What? Oh, we can Whoa! all three read a Bible verse. What are we going to do that? I don't care. Okay, Charles goes first, Blake's goes second, and I'll go last. And okay. if I have the same one you have, I'm just going to be like, nah, y'all got it. Okay, Hebrews 4, uh, 3, 12. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. First Peter 5, oh. 6 through 11. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Uh, mine is Psalm 51, 10 through 12. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. I don't know what to do now. We're just going to hang up. Oh, we're just hanging up because Don's not here. Hang up. So I'd like to thank <laughs> this two elders for our time spent today. 
um, whatever, <laughs> something about the idiom that we didn't have. We're glad the house it is was, not on it fire. It was where there's smoke, there's fire. Yeah. You guys are on fire. Peace okay, out. Uh, brothers and my friends, okay, okay bye. <laughs> this episode was fire. Oh, that would have been hope we don't all get fired. Are you starting this podcast already? Kind of, not really. Do you, do you want to do the banter? Do you have banter to inter- introduce? Um, no, I can tell y'all a story. Okay, tell <clears> us a story. <throat> that man may not put it in, in the thing. But, uh, <laughs> so pretty usual. So la- last night, um, our children, you know how Bluey's dad's like, Super dad. I'm exhausted from all this child rearing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> My favorite line in that is, get over here, you reprobates. You reprobates. <laughs> yeah, that was like last night. So we had, we put Harlan in bed, and I'm like, all right, Cedar, sit here. We've been reading, I've been reading Esther with her. So we started reading some book of Esther. And while she's sitting there, she's got two loose teeth. It's her two first teeth, her oh, wiggly wow. teeth. And her teeth are like, she moves her head or something some way where one of them goes like like this and she just like starts having a meltdown my tooth it's gonna come out i thought you wanted your tooth to come out no i'm not ready for my tooth to come out yet all this stuff i mean like just like walking around the living room just having a meltdown and so beth says (laughs) you know (laughs) i think she was thinking like we just need to pull the tooth out so she'll go to sleep so she says, you know, some people, if their tooth is too wiggly, it can come out while you're sleeping and you'll swallow it. Oh, <laughs> She's never going to sleep now. Dude, nope. So now it's, you're not touching my tooth and I'm not going to sleep Ever because I'm going to swallow my right. tooth. Yeah. I would have gone the tooth fairy angle. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. We told her. The tooth fairy angle. We said, we did go the tooth fairy angle and we <laughs> said, hey. You know, because her big thing now, she wants quarters because she always wants to wants to go to Piggly Wiggly and get stuff out of little machines Fair. with the quarters, right? So said, you know, if you lose your tooth, then the tooth fairy comes and you get quarters. And she goes, and she like stops crying and she goes, five dollars. <laughs> Like, best I can do is five bucks. <laughs> she knows who the tooth fairy is. Bro, yes, if it's does. eleven o'clock, it doesn't matter. Yes, yeah, I'll give like, you twenty dollars. Go, go to bed. Go to bed. <laughs> you know, one of the things that I find so interesting about children is how much I love them and how much I love when they go to sleep. I know, right? It's like I I love every moment up until it's like time for bed, and then when time for bed hits, it's like it's time for bed, and do not exceed the time frame. Mm-hmm. Like if we're past actual bedtime. Mm-hmm. We're not on good terms. Yep. Like yeah. put, doing PJs and bathroom and all that. And Rowan, I can put Rowan inside of uh, like if like so we came back from somewhere pretty late the other night and Rowan was asleep in the back. So I picked That's Rowan the up. Best. Well, and I go to put her in bed. The mo- I kid you not, the moment she is the bed, she's like, I need my PJs. Like bounces up <laughs> as quickly as she can. She's like, no, I need my PJs. I'm like, baby, you're fine. Like you've got everything and you just go to sleep. And she's like, nope, need my PJs. <laughs> and I'm like, why are you so particular? Uh, and then, yes. And then Beth yeah. tells me, because you're so particular. Yeah, right. Because um, whose daughter she is. Uh, so 
anyway, everything has to be um, perfected. Yeah. 